Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to discuss the importance of organizational culture. My guest this time is Mary Marzek, Senior Strategy Health Scientist from Virgin Pulse. Listen to this episode to get Mary's take on how tech can help corporate well-being efforts and why measuring the effectiveness of your company culture is key to achieving investment-driven results like high job performance, resilience, and reduced healthcare costs. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bill. Good to be here. Well, beyond my reintroduction there, maybe you can take a minute or two now and uh, tell our listeners a bit more about your career background and your current role. Sure. Um, I am Dr. Mary Marzek. Um, I've been in the field of wellness for well over 15 years now. And my real, my real focus and interest is looking at how the company's culture uh, supports health and wellness, and also how that resonates through and the impact on the larger uh, piece of com- company culture. So that's my specific focus, though. I'm, you know, I really focus, I also think a lot about just wellness in general and how organizations can impact people's health and well-being. Okay, thank you very much. Now then, I'd, I'd love for you to start this conversation today by um, helping our listeners get their heads around a couple of concepts, okay? One that I'm sure they're very familiar with and one maybe that they that maybe they've heard of before and perhaps some folk out there haven't heard. Um, and that's the, uh, the idea of ROI and VOI. How do the two work together to create a clearer picture of the success of a wellbeing program? Right. We're jumping right into this here. Um, So ROI and VOI are terms that are thrown around quite a bit in conjunction with well-being programs. And it's very important to sort of back up and think a little bit about how this works and how this does fit into not just your wellness program in terms of measuring effectiveness of it, but also how that fits right into the company's culture. And when I think of culture, I really think of it as the manifestation of the company's identity, values, and priorities um, as experienced on a day-to-day basis. And then your wellness programs um, have the huge opportunity to enhance that as, how that the company actually cares about people more than just the job it, that they do, um, but that they val- that it values people um, in their in their whole life and in a holistic way, socially, physically, emotionally, even financially. Those are all a huge role of wellness programs. So getting to your actual question as to the role of ROI and VOI in that, you really want to think at it from that perspective, and then your return on investment, which is typically the medical costs, uh, productivity, like absenteeism or presenteeism, what's thought of as those hard numbers, um, are actually lagging indicators of the success of your well-being programs. So you want to have a high-performing well-being program on the front end in order to get 
at those ROI numbers on the back end. Now, VOI is a little bit different. And again, it's a term you know, that we hear a lot in well, the well-being space. And it's used to refer to what um, are those other maybe less tangible, uh, but just as important uh, benefits of having a well-being program that people feel valued, they feel more engaged, they feel um, more positive about the company that they work for because that company is offering these benefits that support them as people. And so, again, you really need a high-performing, effective, uh, comprehensive, holistic, I'll, I can keep going on with the list, well-being program to begin with to get those uh, impacts and effectiveness on the downstream end that you're looking at. And that's really where I come in in terms of measuring culture. Okay, thank you very much. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later on uh, about how how the current circumstances, how, how the pandemic has, has uh, shaped things as well, because um, I, I think now more than ever, it's pretty important that uh, companies are measuring their VOI and some perhaps feel like they've got to have a high, a high general profit and, and good ROIs in different places before they start looking at their wellness programs, which is actually the wrong way to look at things. Um, and there are a lot of financial benefits too having great wellness programs in place. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, before we get there, can you share some insights and data around some of the RRI relating to Virgin Pulse's clients? Yeah, so, you know, the good thing about Virgin Pulse is that I, I think of it as a one-stop shop in the way that our, um, well, the way our well-being programs are set up in that they're inherently accessible they're effective in terms of being science-based and evidence-based and through the book of our book of business that we have we know they work because of the amount of time that they've been out there and you know that clients have been using them and coming back to us year over year they're accessible and so that's the other piece i look for is it effective is it accessible and can you align it with your larger culture culture is it customizable in terms of what you want to offer. If a company wants to focus on safety and weave that in to the, to the experience seamlessly, they have that capability. So all of those add to the VOI and the individual experience. Now, I'm not sure if I exactly answered your question, so feel free to delve a little bit more um, if you need more information. Well, thank you, Mary. I may do just that, actually. Um, let's let's keep talking about ROI. Talk, talk to me a bit about how ROI can Im impact one's health. Yeah, that's another. Oh, that's a great question. So a lot of times companies think about ROI from the bottom line perspective of their healthcare costs and so on, like I alluded to earlier. However, it's really a missed opportunity to also think about the ROI for the individual, which is, which is very different. Because, for example, if somebody starts exercising and eating better, um, they get off their blood pressure medication. Well, blood pressure medications inherently you know, are not that expensive. A company won't see that um, on their bottom line of say 50,000 employees. But for the individual 
when you look at um, the not not the need to re, re, you know renew prescriptions, trips to the doctors, um, just the mental space of am I taking my medication every day? Um, that ROI and the impact on their life is huge, probably immeasurable. So that's a very small example of how the ROI for the individual is very different than that of the company. Okay, we are going through a lovely dialogue and a lovely journey together today, Mary. I'm, I'm enjoying this because we are spelling out these concepts very clearly in, in a step-by-step -step approach before we get into some hard-hitting questions. Um, just one more question around definitions, if you don't mind, or certainly to kind of spell it out for our listeners, um, to, to, to drive it home in, in general terms, why does VOI matter? VOI matters. Um, it's essentially a construct created by even wellness programs and companies. But what are we really thinking about in terms of value on investment? In my mind, you're really you're really measuring as best as possible, does my company care about me? Am I more than just a number? And the answer to that has to be yes for companies that want engaged and high performing employees. And we think of medical costs as being very expensive, but if you look at the cost of tur high turnover, especially nowadays in these knowledge-based um, industries, which almost all companies are because we're increasingly technologically advanced, um, the cost of turnover and losing talent and attracting talent is uh, very significant. Um, they say, you know, the you think about higher hiring process that takes away time. When a good team member leaves, it hurts and puts strain on the remaining individuals. And turnover can actually be contagious in the sense that when one employee leaves, others start thinking, oh, well, maybe I can find a better deal too. Um, so that, you know, when you think about VOI from that perspective in terms of uh, culture and the value of engaging people and providing them a great place to work, um, it's huge. Perfect. Thank you very much. Now, I'd love for you to share with our, with our listeners your thoughts around ways that organizations can start building a supportive culture of well-being. How, how does this help to increase employee engagement and, and decrease what you're talking about just a moment ago, which is turnover? It actually isn't as hard as it sounds. Culture seems like a very big nebulous uh, thing to influence. If you think about it in terms of it's the you know manifestation of all the physical and you know social influences on our lives and behaviors at work, you know, workplace culture. But in terms of your wellness programs, I like to break it down into very specific domains that are actually easy to measure. One is leadership support. Do leaders um, support? Do they even know about what well-being um, programs are offered? You know, so many times wellness uh, sits in the realm of HR and it almost doesn't get out of that silo. 
but the difference if you have senior leadership engaged and supportive and um, encouraging people, uh, you know, the difference that that makes for your wellness program alone is huge. Second, uh, manager support. Do managers encourage healthy behaviors and do they participate in the well-being programs and promote them? Uh, third is your policies. Everything that people want to do in terms of their healthy behaviors, it needs to be surrounded uh, by policies and an environment that supports them. You know, when people are, you know, I know more and more are working remote, but when people were at, you know, the physical space, and many still are, um, are there healthy food options available and so on? And then um, do people practice and encourage, you know, do my coworkers practice healthy behaviors? So it's very easy to actually, if you think about culture and break it down into these layers, um, then it's very easy to think about and um, actually measure. And so a company can see how they're doing and influence them. And you, you mentioned just there, uh, the, the big elephant in the room, uh, the biggest factor impacting everybody's lives this year, uh, COVID. In, in what ways have, have organizations ROI and VOI been impacted since the pandemic forced many employees, most employees, to begin working from home? Right. Um, and I think this offers a huge opportunity for companies to support employees and emphasize health and well-being. Um, and I believe that, um, you know, even post-COVID, this level of flexibility will probably be sustained in the workplace as people have found benefits from the ability to have greater uh, work-life integration. Okay, so um, have, have you noticed a, a, a lowering in VOI as, as a result of, of the, the pandemic? You know, I'm not sure there's been a lowering of VOI. I think that companies are leaning more into well-being programs because it's a couple reasons. Um, one is that one of the dynamics of COVID itself is that outcomes, it looks like we don't know all that we need to yet, certainly, but um, one of the predict, you know, one of the comorbidities of heart disease and diabetes and obesity, these chronic conditions are significant predictors of lower outcomes for COVID. So that has led to, I think, a nice confluence of perspectives in that people are more aware of their health and employees are more willing to, you know, even leaning into well-being programs even more to help people mitigate these risks. So that's one, um, I don't know if you want to call it a silver lining along this whole COVID thing. I really want to be very careful and not paint COVID in a positive light because it has been, you know, just so overall devastating. But in any situation where change is required, I think there are positives that can be drawn from it and learnings. Um, and so in that sense, I feel like hopefully people feel that companies are valuing their well-being more than before, where it might have been taken for granted. Um, another piece is that companies are offering you know, greater flexibility around family care, hopefully, 
and just the measures taken to protect people from COVID directly um, has highlighted the importance of employees in their role in an organization as never before. So I think those are all things that have actually increased VOI in terms of um, you know, employees' health and well-being. If we're seeing it in the numbers yet, I think it's too early to, to tell. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and what about what about the sense of company culture and uh, employee engagement at the moment? Uh, that that's a bit of a toughie, isn't it? Okay. Yes, you can you can help your employees through wellness programs. You can go the extra mile there, um, ensure that they get childcare, etc., etc., etc. Right. Um, but maintaining a, a, a strong sense of what that company culture is for its individuals for its component parts and therefore to have to have cohesive in, levels of employee engagement that's 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 a big challenge for companies right now um and a lot of employees frankly have zoom fatigue you know and it's and they they say perhaps it's not quite the same as being in a room and learning from osmosis and all the, all, all the rest of those wonderful things um how on earth do companies go about trying that strong company culture and and keep feeding those employee engagement initiatives when when folk are remote and they've got a lot of other stresses going on. You're exactly right. Um, I hadn't heard the term Zoom fatigue, but that is something that I'm definitely seeing among my clients as well. And it isn't just companies that are striving to maintain their culture in that sense of togetherness with employees being um, remote or in disparate locations, not together in groups at all anymore. Um, but supervisors and management teams are also struggling. So I'll back up to the larger point of the company culture and how does a company, you know, what are some, some helpful things that a company can actually to do? do? Uh, one, I think town hall meetings um, with the CEOs and senior leadership talking about their vision and plans and having a robust Q&A, giving people that sense of stability in their jobs as much as is you know realistic and relevant depending on the um, the situation for that company, and I think that is one extremely helpful way to you know get that sense of company culture and vision and mission, and including well-being in that. You can have a moment. You can have meditation. You can have. I know one company that leads all of their all company meetings with. Uh, warm-ups. So in that 15 minutes that people log on before the meeting actually starts, they they do exercises together. Some other ways that a company can help is by supporting charities and allowing people perhaps to donate their rewards or just participate in things that are in their community um, that's supported by their company. Another thing that companies are doing are things like virtual 5Ks, where you'll have a start time and an end time and everybody does it from wherever they are, but you sort of have that sense of togetherness. I think that's a great idea. Um, team chat um, is one, sharing ideas through chat, having those channels back and forth. I don't think anything totally replaces the in-person piece but those are some ideas because we just have to deal with the reality that we have right now. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so uh, interesting. Yesterday, the the Prime Minister of Canada came on on TV and he said, you know, the reality is right now uh, things suck, and they're going to suck for a bit longer. Um, but we can we can try and be positive, and we can take new lessons, and we can find new ways to engage and communicate with each other right now. And and hopefully, it's just going to make us stronger in in the long term. But in the long term, Mary, some employees they they might want to continue working from home. Um, so after the the worst of the pandemic has passed, perhaps they've gotten used to an extent of of remote or disparate working. Um, how might how might that impact company culture? Yeah, if, if for example, um, only forty percent of your your employees are going to be in the office at any one point because they've been given that flexibility. Maybe maybe the pandemic is going to be around for a bit longer, and and there's going to be some more cautionary measures even after a vaccine comes through. But regardless, people have got got used to working remotely at least maybe they want to do that for a few days a week but that's going to that's going to cause big uh pressures on on those who are trying to instill the company culture and keep that camaraderie going right well the way i see it it's just a shift it becomes a positive shift in the company's culture some of the best company cultures always have had flex time and that capability for employees to work from home two days a week. So now instead of it taking away from the company's culture, it actually adds as a benefit um, to the culture, I think is, is one answer to that. Um, so we stop thinking of it as just because people aren't here in person, they're not part of the company or they're not contributing to the culture because actually work at home has existed for you know a couple decades now. So that part isn't new. I think what's going to be new is the level of people that um, expect that flexibility when they look at jobs. And so that again will be a um, almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that as people expect it, companies more and more will be offering it in order to attract and retain that talent. Mary, you're not gonna believe this. But we are pretty much out of time. Before we wrap things up, uh, how can how can our listeners connect with you, whether that's through LinkedIn or email or, or elsewhere? And also, how can they learn more about all the awesome things that you do over at Virgin Pulse? Sure. So you're more than happy to, um, I'm on LinkedIn, so more than happy to look me up there. Uh, my email, I'm certainly available by email, uh, mary.marzak at virginpulse.com or simply contact our, um, our marketing department, um, you know, through the Virgin Pulse, more information type thing. Um, you know, any number of ways, at some point somebody, you know, he'll get to me. Any number of ways, I'm sure we'll throw a few of those in the show notes as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that just leads me to say for today, Mary, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you so much. It's been a great time together, great conversation, thank you. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working and stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.